It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley. Life is a series of circles and cycles, phrases and stages. These are your experiences that teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to the James Cooley Show. It's Your Life. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the J.C. Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. Now, here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello, welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and wow, we got another great show. We in part two of three of mental health, and tonight we're going to talk about understanding mental health and the minority and the male communities. And this show is so important to all of us uh, because, uh, just like I said, uh, mental health is a big deal in our society, in the world, in America. And we need to gather as much information to try to bring help to everybody that might be needing it. So uh, we, uh, tonight we got Jordan Colbert, who is an expert in this area, and he's been a part of the show several times. And you know what? He's here again in part two. And, we, and guess what? We got him again for part three coming up real soon. So, you know, I, I'm excited, but I'm excited about t- tonight. Uh, how you been doing, Michelle? I'm doing good. Um, hey, audience, how you guys doing? Happy Monday. Happy Monday. And, and Chuck, Chuck Trinoni, how are you doing, man? Doing great, JC. Missing you that you've gone back from California to uh, to Texas already, but looking you're looking good over there. Yeah, we we are in our uh, my home Texas uh, studio. Uh, last week we were mostly in uh, our California uh, home studio, and also in in, in uh, La Jolla studio in, in San Diego. But um, you guys got us coming from here tonight, and uh, as I mentioned, uh, <laughs> that this topic is so important uh that um we have to discuss it and i and i got my great producer on the phone not just on the phone he's running everything no how you doing today sir i am doing well another exciting week another five great shows lined up and i'm <laughs> you know we're gonna get some great information out there and uh come together it's gonna be great yeah, so, oh, Noah, we're talking about mental health tonight. You know, I was telling you off the show, James, I think it's something that's often ignored in the community as a whole. And so when you bring it up, I, it's so important and it's, it's good to address it. And and we got to address it because uh, a lot of people are having these problems and they don't know what they are, uh, especially in the minority community. Uh, I mean, a lot of times, uh, you know, black and brown folks just like myself, we don't always understand um uh what what is meant by mental health uh but we we're gonna go a little deeper than just the minority community we're gonna talk about the male uh community tonight and just like i said i got a a a great guest here who's going to navigate us through this in in series two or or part two or three and uh i just want to get to the show right now you know so chuck can can you tell uh our listening audience what's the purpose of the show tonight Sure, be happy to. The purpose of tonight's show is understanding mental health issues in minority communities, learning about mental health issues in males, and the state of the mental health in minority and male communities during the pandemic. You know what? So uh, that's that sums it up uh, uh, in a nutshell. Because uh, my thoughts during this pandemic. Over the last 13 months, uh, we all have suffered a lot of tragic, uh, life-changing events by, by staying in the house, by wearing masks, by doing all of these types of things. We, we went through a change of life in our generation in the last 13 months. And, um, a lot of people was affected negatively, uh, in these things because, so we were, and are used to live in a certain way. And so there were problems created that uh, need help, need, need to be addressed right now. And, uh, Jordan, uh, 
Colbert is going to help us. Michelle, can can you introduce our guest tonight? Yes, Jordan Colbert. Jordan Colbert is from Mays Landing, a small city with a big wealth disparity outside of Atlantic City, New Jersey. Receiving a BA in classical studies from the University of Pennsylvania and a Master's of Marriage and Family Therapy from the University of Southern California, he's a first-generation philosopher with a strong preference for using science to solve modern psychological questions. Jordan currently works as an assistive technology specialist within the disability services and programs at USC. In this position, he provides assistive technology solutions to disability-related learning challenges while also maintaining a caseload of 200-plus students he counsels as a disability specialist. Jordan is credentialed as an assistive technology professional with the Rehabilitation Engineering and Assistive Technology Society of North America and a member of the Association on Higher Education and Disability. He previously served as a member of the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists and interned at the MindSight Institute, a research lab for interpersonal neurobiology therapeutic mindfulness practices. It is his goal to increase individuality, efficacy, and connection within minority communities throughout the people of the world. The James Cooley Show is your live proudly presents Mr. Jordan Colbert. Hey, welcome to the show, Jordan. How you doing? Hey, Jordan, you've been, uh, this is, I think, your fourth time on the show. Uh, each each time, it's been a different topic. And uh, can you just give them a quick glance of of where you grew up from and how life were uh, growing up. Yeah. You know, first off, I just want to say thanks for bringing me back on here. I have been here a few times and it's <laughs> always a pleasure, always a great conversation and always some good knowledge put out there. So thanks for, uh, thanks for having me back. But yeah, I grew up in Atlantic city, New Jersey. So that is a interesting place. I'll say that. I like to say it's a little bit like the East Coast version of Vegas. Um, the real difference, just to kind of highlight, is that in 2019, the median income in Vegas was about 53000 compared to Atlantic City, where it was 26000 And so I grew up there during the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. I graduated high school in 2010. And the casino business was still like the major supplier of uh, economic income in that area. And so as it was going on, there was still a lot of a lot of other aspects that, you know, casinos bring around, like uh, drug abuse. There was a lot of violence. Uh, there was, you know, members of my high school were, who were in gangs. And it was always, it was really an interesting experience because even when we were younger in grade school, you could see how parents were, you know, struggling with depression when you'd go and answer or knock on somebody's door and say, hey, could you come out and play? And you could just see that their parents were just visibly slowed and held down with like so much work and weight on their shoulders. Um, or they were suffering from some drug abuse from the way that they were just blatantly psychotic. So growing up in that area, I feel like it really gave me a, it gave me a good perspective on what it could be like uh, in a very, very depressed environment. Now, not to say there wasn't any good things. There's a lot of good things in that area. There's also people in my high school who had, you know, huge wealth disparities making, you know, a million dollars a year. But it was a, it was a clash of two worlds. I'll say that. Wow. You know, um, was there anything that you noticed in your community growing up that you later recognized as a product of mental health concerns? Yeah, uh, definitely. So like I was saying a little bit earlier, you could see the pain on a lot of people's faces. Um, I remember there was just growing up, there was things like suicide that were frequently around. People committed suicide in violent rages. Uh, there was a lot of assault. So people would get beat up in, you know, in my neighborhood in front of me. And you would just, you would also see drug addiction everywhere. Like it could be in any part of the community, whether it was, you know, affluent or non-affluent environments. So you could see that happening actively and you could tell that this was, this was going on with all the parents, all the adults, and even some of the other kids in the environment. Wow. 
you know, so uh, um, as a black and white man, because uh, you are uh, a mixed uh, culture, were there any racial challenges that you was faced with growing up? Oh, yeah. At least once a day, I'll say that. Um, because when you're in between races, there's always that, that feeling of other because you're not like one race where, you know, they may say, oh, you're not black, you're white. So go hang out with the white kids. Or you'll try and hang out with the white kids and they'll say, oh, we're not the same. You're a black kid. Um, so those are just some things. And I actually even remember in high school, I was the only one to get accepted to an Ivy League school. And one of my teachers even openly said, come on, Jordan, you know why you got accepted and nobody else did. Well, hey, John, I, I want you to hold that thought because I want to come back to that one. We're going to take a station break, but uh, we're going to come back and finish that thought right there because I think it's very, very important. It's your life. We'll be back with Jordan Coburg. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Streaming now on The Answer San Diego app and radio.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life, and I'm James Cooley. And, uh, wow, I tell you, hey, Jordan, uh, you was uh, in the middle of explaining uh, racial challenges uh, that you face uh, growing up uh, and how that could have an impact on others uh, for its mental uh, health challenges. Can you finish that? Yeah. Um, so I was talking a little bit about how when, uh, when I was in high school, you know, one of my, I was the only one to go to an Ivy League school. And one of my teachers even said, you know, come on, Jordan. We all know why you got accepted and nobody else did. And so it was like, you know, constantly facing things like that. It made my own mental health uh, impacted by all these things. So, you know, I often felt like an outcast until there was sports. I felt like every day it was really fighting just to belong with both of these communities. And it was even more difficult because my own mother and my whole family was white. So having, you know, a white family, but being a black child, you also kind of stand out as well. And she would, my mom would often have to tell people who were saying racist things to her, you know, my son is black. So that type of stuff did impact my mental health. I could imagine, Jordan. Um, I do... um I do know people, biracial people, who have experienced the same thing that you have. Did those experiences play a part in you entering the mental health field? Oh, completely. Uh, It was a driving force, I would say, because I could really, I knew what it felt like 
to have difficulties with mental health. I knew, you know, as a young, young, when I was 13, I had my first suicide attempt. And then when I was 19, I had another one. So I could see as, as I was growing up, and once I really got the clarity in college of what those communities, how those communities were different from what I had come from, I decided there was no reason why anybody should ever feel the way I feel and that there is support there for that. And so it pushed me into that field because I wanted to make sure that we could address that. How do you feel that your experiences with help, um, help others, um, you know, with their mental health issues? Uh, it's really at the heart of everything that I do. And a big thing about mental health is the awareness and the awareness factor of it. And so the more that I could get my story out there, the more that I just interact with others and show them that, you know, I have mental health concerns, I'm successful, you can have mental health concerns, and you can, you know, succeed. And the idea of just identifying it is key. Okay. Chuck, you got a question. Chuck. Yes. Okay, I do. Sorry. Um, uh, Jordan, uh, we really appreciate all you're sharing about your experiences that led to your mental health and helping professions. And could you share some of the more common mental health issues you and other mental health professionals are witnessing at this time? Oh, yeah, for sure. So... Um, one of the, I mean, the most obvious is depression and anxiety. That's something that we see very frequently. Those are the major depressive disorder and, and generalized anxiety disorder. They're, they're really impacting all communities right now, especially right now during the pandemic. But in general, um, those are some of the ones that, you know, you see on the day to day. It's almost like, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a statistic that says around 60 to 70 percent of people in their lifetime will experience a depressive episode now at one time only about five percent of the population is depressed but overall you will experience a depressive episode is there a difference between that and the importance of mental health in minority communities that you just mentioned I mean, it's interesting because you see across the board that mental health does impact all different communities. Now, the disadvantage that mental health communities or minority communities are at based off of this is that there are some disparities in the way that uh, mental health will impact that community or how their mental health is being addressed. Um, so, yeah, there is a little bit of a difference because it is part of the things that hold mental, uh, minority communities back from fully getting the same access as other uh, dominant races and dominant communities. Jordan, are there any disparities in the way mental health impacts minority communities? Yes. Uh, black, Native, Asian and Latino American communities are hit in various different ways. Um, data shows that across the board, like I was mentioning a little bit, minorities use mental health services at a much lower rate than uh, white, white communities do. And a big part of that is related to the systemic barriers and the fact that most people in the mental health community are not minorities. Uh, and sometimes it even that extends to uh, like gender based because it is very difficult to go out and seek a, uh, someone and be very vulnerable when they don't look like you or you're not feeling comfortable with addressing that gender difference. Now, one thing I thought that I found that was super interesting is that data shows that even in higher SCS communities or predominantly white communities, black children face depression at a higher rate than those at lower SES or homogenous black communities. And a big part of that is the racial disparity or the racial discrimination that they might face. Jordan, um, wow, that, that's really sounding those statistics. So what might be the underlying factors creating those disparities, in your opinion? Yeah. So one I just touched on was the fact that there is that racial discrimination aspect. 
So there may be differences in the way that a, a clinician will address a black concern versus the way that they would address it in a white community. You know, there are often stereotypes that individuals in black or Latino communities might be more aggressive or their actions may be taken in a different way. And so a white clinician may see that as a different thing. One real clear uh, example of that is the difference between ADHD in uh, white children and conduct disorder in black and Latino children. It's often the, the similarities are very, very, or the similarities between those two are very similar. Like they're astounding how close they are. But in reality, one of those diagnoses leads you on a path to actually being more likely to be in prison. You know, uh, I tell you, uh, Joe, and this conversation is so important. We're going to give uh some of our guests an opportunity to call in and and uh ask questions and that, that number is one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Again, that number is one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Please call in to this very important topic and join in on the conversation with us. You know, so uh, uh Jordan, so how has the conversation about mental health and minority shifted over time? Well, one way is that there has been a lot more awareness. So there's been, with the rise in the change in statistics of, you know, visibility for black and Latino and Asian Americans as uh, celebrities, and them coming out and speaking about their mental health concerns or advocating for mental health, that has been one shift that has helped move the conversation to where it's okay to get mental health services. Additionally, schools are starting to look at mental health as an, uh, a different way to deal with children who may be having uh, behavioral issues or who may be struggling in school. They look at the mental health aspects of it and so instead of those students like I was saying earlier being labeled with conduct disorder they're almost being addressed at the what really is is impacting them and that might be you know the ADHD or some residual effects maybe from like a parent with depression or something like that so just as the visibility changes and the, the social mindset changes minorities are entering that that conversation about mental health Wow. What do you think could be done to help improve the access to mental health among minority communities? Uh, well, one is providing more funding to community mental health services um, and putting community mental health services in these communities where they're staffed by people who are from the community or who look like the community because as I was saying before it's really difficult to open up to somebody who may not look like you or who may you may feel has a specific perspective about what you you experience and what you live through so that's just one way another way is um, you know, making it more okay to speak about your, your difficulties, making it okay to reach out for help, um, and providing more safe spaces for, you know, racial and social justice conversations, because that also plays a big factor into, uh, you know, mental health access. Jordan. Jordan, um, let's shift the conversation a bit towards mental health in the area that's really seen as minority, and that is males. Um, you know, men are, are, are just um, visualized as being strong, and if they have any issues, they're willing to solve it, or they don't need to seek help. Can you tell us about mental health amongst men? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, you hit some of those, those points right on the head. There is a lot of social perception about men and, you know, in the, in the past and up, I know at least up until my generation and still I see it sometimes, male children will be told, you know, stop crying, but, you know, toughen up, be strong, um, or, you know, just, get over it it's not that big of a deal you got to push through or you have to be the provider you have to be you know this hyper masculine person who can't be who's like impervious to anything else out there so mental health amongst men men actually have a higher rate of suicide completion 
than other uh, other genders. And so because of that, that is a big conversation, you know, that needs to happen. You know, you, you know what I tell you, we're going to take a station break, but I know Chuck, I know I, I, I see you, Chuck. When we come back, Chuck got a couple of questions that he's going to ask uh, Jordan, you know, <laughs> and uh, I tell you, it's like I mentioned, call in 188-344-1171, 888-344-1170. We'll be back in a minute. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. The Answer, San Diego. Streaming now on smart speakers and radio.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. And uh, I'm James Cooley, and I'll tell you, um, just like I was telling you, Noah, this is a topic where when you talked off air, uh, that's very, very important that um, we all in America need to know about that. Uh, what what you think so far, Noah? I think it's a great, great conversation. And my question for Jordan is, because I've actually talked about this on other radio shows in the past because of the importance of it, and I am a man. Jordan, why do you think men have such a hard time in general realizing that, you know, uh, their mental health is just as important? You know, men like to obviously take care of their physical selves, their physical bodies. But you got to make sure that your mentality is 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 straight on and that if you're dealing with issues you take care of it because otherwise somewhere down the line you end up paying a price why do you think that's often neglected well i would definitely say a big part of it is from the stigma uh of being weak you know we have this this culture that over thousands and thousands of years has developed that men are the 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 workhorses men are the ones that go out and they fight they're the warriors um and so as they look at it you know you can build your body up something that i've even seen you know as i have i have a background in, in ancient history and things like that and we look at big emblems of people like achilles we look at the romans and they were physically fit they were incredible they couldn't be defeated by anything and we still idolize those type of characters you know we look at veterans uh, who you know are expected to be you know they're soldiers there there's nothing that can really be impacting them but in reality when it comes out to say you know there's something that might be happening to me that's not physical that you can't fully see that's happening that that is being very vulnerable and vulnerability opens you up to the ability to be you know made fun of or looked at as lesser and in reality that's not the case being vulnerable is is what will get you the support being vulnerable is what will open you up to you know really releasing that internal aspect and so as you hide it more as you hide it more it builds up and it builds up and then it does become like you said it becomes a problem down the line versus being a problem today that could have been addressed, you know, way at the beginning. And do you think real quickly before I know there's some other questions with Chuck, but do you think that as a guy, like the mentality is also, hey, I'll tuck it away until I can deal with it and I'll deal with it myself real quickly and I'll get it out of the way. But they think that I don't need to talk to anybody. I can handle this on just a myself basis. I think that's also something else that a lot of men, including myself, have done in the past. 
Yeah. And I mean, I've been right there with you, you know, so it is really hard to reach out because you think to yourself, you know, a big thing is that the men are the providers, you know, they have to keep providing, whether it's providing for themselves, providing for the community, providing for their family. It's that idea that I don't really have time to think about something like that because I have to be out there providing. I have to be the strong image. And it's, it's difficult then to look at it as like, okay, you know, I'm going to open and talk about it because also you think, you know, men are very rational, like that's a generalization, but the idea of rationality is there. And when you think, okay, you know, just talking about something we're we're people of action, humans are people of action. So when you say, okay, we're just going to talk it out, we're going to, we're going to let it out. It's something that doesn't seem very important. It seems like, you know, oh yeah, that's, it's almost like it's mumbo jumbo. You, you know, uh, I tell you, before we go into Chuck, hey, I want the listening audience to know if you want to join in on this conversation again, that's 1 1170. Again, that's 1 1170. Hey, Chuck, you up. Thanks, You know, Jordan, you were talking a moment ago about this hot topic of. Uh, hyper-masculinity. Um, for somebody who doesn't know, uh, can you tell us a little bit more, explain what hyper-masculinity is? Yeah. I mean, hyper-masculinity, it's funny because it's almost become like a dirty word in the male community. It's almost like, oh, you mean we're being too manly? And that's kind of what it is. It's where you put that like that idea that all that testosterone up there, you know, the person who has been weightlifting for, for years and has the big, big chest and the super muscles. And they think, you know, if you're not in the gym, if you're not stronger, faster, better than anybody else, there's something, you know, wrong with you. When in reality, that kind of, that focus on like being very masculine, being very much like representative of the male idea. Like I said, that warrior, that is masculinity and it, a lot of it is actually testosterone fueled and so there's a lot of different ways to bring that out and develop and build upon that community or that that idea and that is almost what we were just talking about about like the, the warrior idea and how difficult it is to reach out because it's not masculine to do those things yeah, you don't really hear much about that as often, and I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, uh, do you think that this hypermasculinity plays a role in the stigma around male mental health? Yeah, definitely, because that's that part of the hypermasculinity where it's like, oh, you know, don't be weak. Don't, you know, don't be emotional. Don't be this way. That builds upon that idea, you know, after, like I was saying earlier, after all of these years of building up that idea that men are impervious or men need to be the house, the head of the household, they need to be aggressive, they need to be out there, the hunter, they need to be hunting, you know, that idea then builds into that, that if you're not doing that, you must be weak. You must be unable to provide. You must be unable to do these things. And so the stigma comes around. And then, you know, when that's in the society and that's the stereotypical belief, you look at it and it's like, oh, something's going on with me. I don't want to talk about it because I'm going to be viewed as that way. Hey, Jordan, um, you were a football player, correct? Yeah, I played football for 10 years. Oh, wow. So how do you think sports impacts the development of this type of culture of um, hypermasculinity? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we can see it a lot when it's just like a big group of boys. We look at it now and like, oh, you know, it's just roughhousing. But that type of like environment, it starts to build on itself because there's no other outlet. There's no other perspective. And it's not just like a sports thing. And it's not always, you know, it's not negative to have just, you know, males in a sports culture. The the aspect of it that becomes negative is when you're in the same environment and you're repeating the ideas and you're building upon the ideas of that hyper-masculinity. Because realistically in sports, you do need to be bigger. You need to be faster. You need to be better than other people. Um, and men play, like, they put a very big importance on sports. Now, not all men. 
you know, mm-hmm. we don't want to make generalizations and say all men think this way or all men, you know, exhibit this. But it's almost the same as when, like, you know, things like conspiracy theories pop up. It's because you're in a vacuum just talking and talking about the same stuff and getting that same feedback. Wow. So as a community, why is it important for men to work on their mental health? Well, uh, that is a very interesting question because it does trickle down. I mean, as we look at it uh, in the, the modern setting, there are a lot of things that come out that are like sexual assaults. We look at the idea of, you know, aggressive like child abuse and things like that. Now, men aren't always the perpetrators of those things. But as males continue to internalize their problems, they become more likely to commit these type of things because they have that aggression that builds up, you know, that inner anger. And a lot of that comes out in dangerous ways. And so as a, as a community, you know, us males need to lean on each other in the sense of talking these things out, making mental health a better outlet for, you know, to instead of internalizing what you may be feeling and making that into anger that then trickles out into the other communities. Well, John, how do you think we can change the viewpoint of men going to see a therapist about their mental health? Because you know just as well as I do, just like you said, a lot of times we don't want to do that because we think we already know the answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's hard, but the real thing is to to be out there and share your stories, to have more men share their stories. An interesting thing uh, that I just recently heard on NPR is that one in, in four men have experienced some form of sexual assault in their childhood. And people don't talk about that. When you think of, you know, the only time you think of something like that, it's that, you know, it was some specific community doing that. It was a specific incident uh, or it typically will only happen to women. But as we start talking more and more about, you know, these type of statistics, these hidden stories and men like you and I and Chuck, uh, we're out here talking about you know, going to talk about our issues, going to see a therapist. That really does change the viewpoint. And so things like sports and celebrities coming out and talking about their issues, people who are seen as as very reputable or high importance males them coming out and talking about that will start to change the the viewpoint because you know everybody can get behind Dak Prescott saying hey you know I've had mental health concerns and I need to go like I've had to go and address them wow you know so uh, we uh, we have been in a pandemic for the last uh, year now what has been the pandemic effect on mental health in the minority communities? Well, it's very interesting to see how this pandemic has played out and the various impacts. I mean, we look at we look at some of the statistics that are now coming out after, like you said, being in this for one whole year. Last week was, you know, the year mark where everything started shutting down. And in the minority communities, because there was already the disadvantage and difficulty with getting access to mental health, uh, mental health care, there's now this extra layer that there's no more in-person mental health. You can't even go to the community mental health center to get support because now they have to go and do it online. You know, when you create extra steps for these things, it makes it less likely for, for anything to happen. And so also we see that small businesses that have closed, the death rate uh, has been higher in minority communities. The impact of the small businesses closing on minorities has been a huge, huge thing. And, you know, when you lose your job, when you're, you're seeing everybody around you die, you're hearing that you as a culture are dying more than other people, you start to think about what does that mean about me? And that in itself has kind of become a very narrow viewpoint because that's what we're seeing a lot of. We're, we're getting that information repeated and repeated to the communities that, you know, there's not access to, to the vaccine. You know, there's not access to, to hospital care. You know, you're not as likely to live. You know, I tell you, uh, you bring up a great point. We're going to take a, 
uh, break, but we're going to come back and we're also going to ask the same question in the male community as well. You know, so uh, uh, great information. It's your life. We're going to come back and continue our conversation with Jordan Coburg. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Streaming now at TheAnswerSanDiego.com and Radio.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and I tell you, uh, I mean, this topic is so important. If you want to call in, this is the last segment, uh, 1-888- 344-1170. Again, that's 1-888-344-1170. Hey, Jordan, now we was talking about um, uh, the pandemic over the last year, how that uh, affected the minority communities. How about the male communities? What type of uh, effect has it had on that one as well? Yeah, and I mean, I talked a little bit about this uh, in the previous segment, but the lack uh, or the loss of jobs in America has been really impactful on all communities. Um, but as we was talking about kind of what that, that mentality has been and the stigma and the stereotypical male perspective, you know, that provider aspect that, you know, person who can't be impacted by outside things, losing the, the jobs and, and doing that, that really has impacted the male mental health because we've seen a rise in depression in men. Um, we've seen, you know, a rise in anxiety in men around like these types of things about, you know, how am I going to continue to provide? How am I going to be, you know, the stronger person? The good thing is that we're all sitting here tuned into the news or tuned into the media and we see that, you know, more people are speaking up. Like I said, the awareness is being raised. You know, there is that conversation. Now, additionally, though, we do want to look at the idea that that with the change in communities, there has been the idea that, you know, the male is under attack. And so that has also created some, you know, psychological impacts in itself because there are, you know, parts of communities that think, you know, males are losing their ability to be that position. Um, and so, you know, it's impacted from all different areas there. You know, where we have seen an increase of suicides in the nation during this period. Has this been true for these two communities? So not so much. Uh, It's more of a complete across-the-board issue that suicides have risen, and it varies in the different communities. You know, it's risen either from 1% in some communities all the way to 145% increase in other communities, which is startling. Now, the real concern about this, though, is that these two communities successfully commit suicide more than other communities. 
And so males, males are more likely to use guns to commit suicide, which is a very, very final situation, you know, versus how uh, females or other genders may decide to attempt suicide. And, you know, minorities are under a lot of different stresses from, you know, racial and economic disparities, and that creates this hardship as well. So they're also at a more risk of suicide. So these two types of, these two areas kind of compound in this pandemic period. You know, Jordan, you know, um, for the last year, we've seen a, a lot of Black Lives Matter protests and also the rise in anti-Asian beliefs the past year. Has the focus on minority communities benefited their mental health? You know, it's it's interesting because as we identify the things that are, are negatively happening to our communities, it actually does benefit the mental health because then people are now paying attention. So before that, like before media was such a big thing, before everybody was tuned in, these type of like these discriminations and these impacts have just like slid under the rug. You know, people would be able to brush it off and say, you know, that only happens in some situations. You know, it's not as prevalent as you think, but with the the highlights of the Black Lives Matter protests and us even speaking about anti-Asian belief, uh, like, you know, hate crimes and things like that that have come up, the awareness is raised. And so when that awareness is, uh, you know, put front and center, it allows people to start to think about the impacts that this has on our communities and how we can benefit the communities because it's no longer just, okay, you know, maybe that happens over there. It's like, this is a whole thing that we need to support everyone in that community with, and we need to provide the resources to create better support systems. Hey, Chuck, I think you said you got a question. Uh, yeah. Um, Jordan, over the pandemic, a lot of celebrities and athletes have come out on their struggles with mental health. Has this helped reduce the stigma in our male communities? Yes, it has. Uh, it's really, really beneficial for someone to hear, you know, that emblem of the strongest person is actually struggling with something underneath, you know, or hearing that, oh, this person looks so great in their, you know, their movies or their films, or they have such a nice life with all these, this money. Um, and in reality, you know, they're seeing that and they're coming out and saying, no, you know, I struggle with my own things. I struggle, you know, with addiction and, and other aspects of mental health. And that allows people who are watching, who are tuned in, who may look up to these people that it says, hey, you know, I struggle too. And that's the biggest thing, like I was saying earlier, that's how you really help reduce the stigma is just having more people out there who say, I'm struggling too. It's not just a you thing. It's not just a her thing. It's a we thing. You know, Jordan, do, do you think the important place on virtual activities during this pandemic will help increase access to mental health services for the minorities and the males? Yeah, I do. I think, you know, the privacy of being able to, you don't have to go somewhere. You know, as, as males, it might be like, you know, it, you might be afraid that somebody's going to see you going to the therapist or somebody's going to hear about you going to the therapist. Whereas in a, a virtual setting, nobody knows what you're doing. You're sitting at home. You know, you could be in bed doing therapy. You could be, you know, anywhere in the, you could be in your car doing therapy now because it's virtual. You can do it from a phone. You can do it from a computer. You can, there's so many more outlets where it can be more private for you and you don't have to put it on display. You know, you can fit it into your work day now. You can do all of these things. And so as long as the access is there to make sure that, you know, people can get there and people can sign up and they know that it's available, that's the big key. And so that does play a big part in increasing this access for minorities and males. You know, so uh, uh, we all, uh, regardless of, you know, minorities or males, females, or et cetera, uh, we all are experiencing uh, uh, some type of depression right now. What is uh, some recommendation that you would uh, 
say to people that are, are experiencing these things and uh, that uh, might keep them from uh, experiencing mental health and some help that they might be able to get? One thing I would say is keep up your activity. Uh, it's really easy right now in the pandemic. You know, things are loosening up and restrictions are leaving, so people are getting more active. But we've been in this lockdown for a year, and that has really impacted the activity levels of people. And so, you know, number one, if you're not really able to do anything, you're sitting at home, you know, you may be vegging out on the couch watching your favorite Netflix series. You might have seen every show on Netflix. You know, that doesn't do a lot for you in terms of your mental health. You know, sometimes it's needed to just step back and recharge. But at the same time, that's going to impact the way you feel about yourself because you haven't done anything. And another thing that I would say is, you know, Connect with one of your friends, whoever it might be your best friend in the world, just reach out to them. Connect with somebody who, who you haven't talked to in a while. You have the time now. You know, you have the ability to reach out. People are supposed to be home, so they should be answering their phones when you call or answering their texts or something. You know, that that's staying connected, even if it's to just one person, that staying connected is going to really help you come out of this and help uh help with like depression and anxiety wow jordan you know i I like to thank you for taking time uh, real quickly how can people get in touch with you if they wanted to uh talk more about this sure yeah so you can follow me on twitter my handle is at j-o-c-o-a-t-p or you can always email me my email uh is the first letter of my first name so j uh, T and then my last name Colbert C O L B E R T at opticity O P I S I T Y X P dot com. Hey, I would like to thank you for taking the time again, and uh, we we're gonna have you back for uh, the third segment. And uh, so, thanks so much. I would like to thank my co-host Michelle Cooley. I th- I like to thank the show contributor Chuck Trinoni. I like to thank my great producer for making sure that this thing is turning out right. Uh, most importantly, I like to thank our listening audience for taking the time to listen to the show. Keep in mind that we are always looking for sponsors to help continue to bring this great message. And we'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your life. I'm James Cooley, and tomorrow uh, my panel get a chance to grill me. <laughs> you know, so uh, we'll see Thanks everybody. For joining tomorrow. us for It's Your Life with James Cooley. To learn more about James, how you can support the show, or become a guest, visit CooleyFoundation.org. Join James weekdays at this same time for more motivation and inspiration to help you become equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. This has been the James Cooley Show. It's your life where you learn how to dream big, think big, and be big at everything that you do. It's your life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley.